Welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me for this special Patriot League wrap-up show is Bill Wagner, a special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, live and styling from Ocean City. Well, let me just start it off. That sucked. Um, that was a really, really, really disappointing thing. In fact, as I sat there and watched my 17-year-old implode with the Maryland Terrapins lead against Penn State last night and the feeling of absolute defeat that overcame him. Uh, It was very similar to the feeling I had in Alumni Hall as we watched Loyola just sort of do everything that they needed to do to expel Navy from the Patriot League tournament, expel and defeat their, uh, their NCAA tournament hopes. And now all they can hope for is an NIT bid. Bill, I will send it to you first, and then I want to get some uh, commentary from Chris Cervello as well. What happened? What went wrong? Why are we at where we're at? Well, John, first of all, another reason to hate a year of pandemic, because I truly believe that Navy was a better basketball team than Loyola this year. They proved it by beating Loyola three times during the regular season, and then in the game that really counts, the game where it's survive in advance. Navy is without its best player. It's the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, Cam Davis, leading scorer, leader in assists, leader in steals. He's not only the the key go-to scorer, he's also the playmaker. And then the Richard Njoku has been fantastic this season. He made the Patriot League all-defensive team. He really developed offensively. He provided an inside presence. And, and then Compounding matters, we find out after the game that John Carter Jr. apparently was ill, not related to COVID, but flu-like symptoms all week, did not practice, barely did like a shoot-around on Friday, and that was it. They weren't even sure if he was going to play in the game on Saturday was a game-time decision, and as you and I noted, he did not contribute much, and now we know why. We probably shouldn't even have played, so it's like, you know, you're down three starters, three key players, and that's that's just not the way you want to go out. You want to take your best shot. You want to have all your guns blazing, and they just they did, couldn't. They weren't able to. I see that Ward has joined us. Ward, maybe uh, offer some thoughts on what you saw Saturday. I just heard that you were talking about the fact that the two key starters were missing. As we said on the postgame report, right after the game was over, it looked like uh, Tavares Hardy kind of did a 180 from last game. And he had commented in the post game after the game last week that Navy came out and punched Loyola in the mouth is the way he phrased it. And it looked like he went back to the team and said, I want to punch Navy in the mouth this time. And that's really kind of what they did. They came out with greater intensity faster speed, better ball movement, a, a really watertight defense, The as you've probably said, the 1-3-1 defense, which seen, although Coach DeCellis didn't say that that was particularly what he thought was a key to the game, I think that that, that flummoxed him at some level. And 
it, the, the tone was just overwhelming, you know, uh, Santi, uh, Aldima kind of showed up for the first time this season in terms of being a franchise player. And we mounted a decent defense in the second half at times, but whenever we needed to put the accelerator to the floor, we didn't have that speed available to us. And ultimately uh, we, we came up short. Yeah. The, the offensive rebounds, Aldama underneath, the offensive rebounds that Loyola got um, seemingly at will, and then the outside shooting, particularly Patrick Spencer's little brother, Cam Spencer, um, hit just some daggers, to, to quote my good friend Steve Buckhantz, um, just daggers that right when Navy was about to get this done, and I remember vividly we had cut the lead to one, they had possession after getting an offensive foul. Um, Loyola didn't convert. We're still down one. And then we just missed a shot in order to take the lead. And then next possession down, Spencer hit a three. All of a sudden you're down four. And it just it just sort of got out of control from there, which was really, really unfortunate. Those small things uh, really you know, made the difference. And for me, you know, here we've been, particularly Wags and I have been singing the praises of Austin Inge, the microwave all year, being thrust into that position to run the point. Uh, and as Ward said, as they went to this 1-3-1 zone with a little bit of full court press, it really got Austin out of his comfort level, out of his rhythm, a bunch of turnovers, and Coach D had to bench him. And then you were going with Summers and Carter and Carter's not feeling well. It just, it turned into a mess. Chris Cervello, you listen to the sweet dulcet tones of Mike Keery and Pete Medhurst on 1430 WNAV. What were your takeaways? Um, very similar to what you guys said. It, it's interesting. I mean, since I moved to Florida, I've had to listen to a lot more uh, basketball than, than have the opportunity to watch. I never felt like Navy was in the game. Even when they cut the score to one, it just never felt like, you know, listening to Mike and Pete, that they felt like Navy was in the game and that Navy was about to find that other gear that they needed um, to be able to get back to Navy basketball. You guys covered why. I mean, not having uh, Cam, not having Najoku, um, having some some illness on the bench, having guys out of whack. I mean, that is, that's the obvious reason, but it just didn't, it felt like Loyola was better prepared um, and came out and executed their, uh, their game for Navy um, it, it, it just, I, I remember listening to Mike last week and he said, you know, he, he talked about it in, in the aspect of Loyola, but it, it seemed like Navy adopted this where he said, Hey, with about six minutes left, eight minutes left, you, you know, whatever team, um, is down is going to be thinking about like the end of the season. And do I want to keep dealing with these COVID tests? And, and I, it was hard not to think of that in the context of Navy. You, you just didn't feel that spurt. You didn't feel that jolt of energy. Um, and it's sad because this is a team that has found a way to win all year and they just didn't find it. And so I don't know if you live by that, you die by that, but um, it's just a terrible way to, to end the season. I didn't buy into the, the COVID thing. I mean, it's just part of the season. I mean, if Navy would have won, 
I, I wouldn't have wanted to say it was because of COVID or, you know, I, and I don't believe that the reason that we're four, we were 14 and two going into this or whatever we were in two going into this, that, uh, that it was because of COVID. I, I felt like it's because they came to play. And in this aspect, I feel like it wasn't, um, they didn't come to play. So, uh, you know, now we got to start thinking about lacrosse, baseball, football, and and hopefully because of the, the core nucleus of this team sticks around, hopefully they're back in a similar position next year. So Wags and Ward, I'll kick it to you for our forward look. Um, you, you lose Cam Davis to graduation. You know, there are uh, guys like Colin Gillespie of Villanova can get an extra year when they blow their knee out here late in their senior year because everyone gets a COVID year from the NCAA, or except for Naval Academy and other service academy students. So we lose Cam Davis. Um, we lose uh, Luke Lair, uh, Alec Lair. Um, but you bring back Deaver, you bring back Summers, you bring back Carter, you bring back Austin Inge, and they're very happy with their recruiting class. How bright is the future uh, for Naval Academy basketball? What would you point to as a reasonable expectation for next year's team, Wags? Well, before I get into looking ahead next year, I'll comment one more thing about this past game because, you know, I think Chris said that Loyola looked like they were ready to play, and they were. And I think Loyola got a huge lift in pregame warmups. Loyola was out on the court warming up, and then Navy took the floor. And I saw Loyola players looking over there and scanning who was the bodies to see who was on the court. And they went back in the locker room and told Tavares Hardy, Cam Davis sitting out there. And that's when I knew that Tavares Hardy was going to go with a full court press to start the game. And, you know, one other thing about how this shaped up for Loyola, consider that Loyola was supposed to play at Holy Cross on Wednesday, which would have meant traveling to and from Worcester, Mass., and then having one day of prep for Navy. So the advantage Navy got by being a top seed and having a bye was nullified. Um, so enough of that game. We don't want to talk anymore. It's just so disappointing. And we'll see if Navy gets in the NIT. It's a 16-team bracket. It's going to be really tough. I think they might need some Power 5 schools to opt out of postseason play if they don't get into the NCAA tournament uh, for things to open up for Navy. But you're right, John. Quite a bit of talent coming back, led by Greg Summers, John Carter Jr., Patrick Dorsey, Richard and Joko. That group of juniors is strong, and so several solid sophomores, as we saw. And we like Austin Inge, the freshman. And uh, you know, I think there's a couple other freshmen we didn't see much of this season that could develop. And then I don't know what they got coming in recruiting wise, but uh, yes, the future is bright. Um, and, and you know, I think that. Navy's on the upswing. Coach D's been here 10 years, and he seems to have, you know, found a, a, some key to success. This year was a major breakthrough, a major push forward. It's just really disappointing with this Patriot League tournament, inability to get anywhere in the Patriot League tournament. It's just frustrating. Yeah, it was the, uh, I remember it being the bane of our existence with the women's soccer team, and Karen talked about it often, you know, the you know, the real measure of this is not how well you do in the regular season. It's, it's whether you get to the big dance and, you know, we'd, we'd win the regular season title in the Patriot league and get to the championship game uh, to go to the NCAAs and we'd lose. Um, now, luckily that, that streak has been broken uh, for women's soccer. Let's hope that it gets broken for basketball. Ward over to you with what you're looking forward to and, 
how much does this hurt? You know, we keep talking about the dark ages. I'm just kind of gutted because I was really looking forward to watching Navy's, you know, name get called on selection Sunday. Now knowing that's not going to happen, it's just sort of a bummer and there are no other sports right now. How, how do you characterize it? Well, yeah, we spoke at length about that on the, on the last show. Um, I, it is a bummer because expectations were high. Wags laid out the factors. The only thing I would add to Wags's post game is we were wondering aloud whether playing a team four times was an advantage or a disadvantage. I think ultimately, as you look at the confluence of all these elements, playing Loyola full time, four times was ultimately a disadvantage because they came out with an exact atmosphere that we had not seen the previous three times. And I think ultimately you're going to find the soft spot and you're going to sort of, you know, crack the code. And on the fourth time they did, they're a talented squad. Their body language was completely different at the beginning of this game than it had been in previous games to my eye. In fact, when we were doing the pregame preview, they were behind us doing a cheer uh, and you could see the energy. It, it was, I did not see that in the previous three games. So you know, there, there you go. In terms of what are we looking at going into next season? I think we have a very strong squad for all the reasons that, that Wags laid out. I think they would be, you know, top of the Patriot league with an expectation that they will win the Patriot league next year. So this team isn't going anywhere. Yes. We're losing cam, you know, and he's a standout for sure. He's a field marshal, field admiral. And, uh, that's a loss, but I think we're, we got a good core and we should expect good things going forward. Hey, John, one, one more thing before we go, and I know we want to wrap. The, the fact that Cam ends his career not getting to play in the last three games, I mean, that how, how much does that suck? I mean, not just from the obvious standpoint of, uh, you, you know, they could have won or they could have done better with him. Uh, I just, I mean, that guy gave so much to the program. It's just such a shitty way to end such a storied career. Pete and Mike talked about it on the radio broadcast. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not to really get choked up a little bit when, when you think about all the things that stink about COVID. Boy, that, that really stinks. And there were other athletes and there will be other athletes that are in similar positions. Uh, that, that's the part that, that, that really gets me the most. Yeah, Wag said it at the jump that no better signature of COVID on this year's sports scene than... Cam Davis uh, being kept away from the sport he loves and the team he he led uh, at the very end. I, I did it at the beginning of the year, tracking where he would be on the all-time scoring list. And if he got all the games that he could get, um, you know, he would have been very close to ending his career in the top 10. And he just got robbed of a lot of games and a lot of opportunities and maybe ends up getting robbed of an opportunity to be in the NCAA tournament. And I know that hurts. That hurts these guys. And you heard it from Chris, uh, Chris Harris last week on the pod. He, he's not pumped about never having seen the NCAA tournament, as are a ton of players in the last 23 years now. Um, so let's hope that that turns around. Just because there is no March Madness for Navy uh, doesn't mean there isn't March Madness for all of us. So what we are going to do, we're very excited to announce that if you go to ESPN, and you get onto the fantasy basketball or fantasy page for the men's tournament challenge, search the group, sing second sports 
scene, that's alliteration uh, for writers out there like Ward Carroll, Sing Second Sports Scene, you can join our group um, and make a pick. And the winner of this entire tournament challenge, extra points for choosing Maryland if they get into the tournament and Villanova if they even advance past the first round, extra points for people who uh, pick Maryland and Villanova to go all the way. But in all seriousness, the winner of the uh, men's tournament challenge, Sing Second Sports Scene group, will get a Sing Second Sports gift package put together with flourishes and and uh, and little streamers and, and goodies by Chris Cervello himself from his crocheting capital in Palm Coast, Florida. So please join our Sing Second Sports Scene group on ESPN. We'll tweet out that link um, and put it on Instagram as well. So just because men's basketball is not in the tournament doesn't mean that we all can't be in some way, shape, or form. So for Bill Wagner, Ward Carroll, and Chris Cervello, our hardworking uh, producer. I am John Schofield. Thanks so much for listening to this wrap-up of the Patriot League tournament. Um, better luck next year. Let's hope for better things. Let's hope for better health. Let's hope that COVID's gone. Wear your mask. Be good to each other. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show, and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.